Welcome to episode 118 of the Gamboss Podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and this is my co-host. It's Christian. On this week's episode, Christian and I both watched the newly released Space Jam, A New Legacy, and we will generally go over what we watched in July since we've been away for a month. Christian, uh, this was my pick this week, and I, I will say I apologize because this was so much worse than I thought it would be. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> but... Uh, I picked Space Jam, A New Legacy. This was directed by Malcolm D. Lee, who uh, directed Undercover Brother, Scary <laughs> Movie 5, and Barbershop the, Night Cut, sorry, Barbershop the Next Cut in Night School, which is a weird... I guess it kind of makes sense why they picked him as the director for this one, but none of those are children's movies. No. Is Night School the one with Kevin Hart and Tiffany Haddish? I think so. I, I, I know like Kevin Hart's movie. in it. Yeah, I did. You know, I did not care for Barbershop the Next Cut. It was my least favorite of the barbershops. <laughs> True story. First movie I talked my wife into going to for like the oh longest my God. time. And she's like, yeah, I'm good for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie stars oh. basically LeBron James and Don Cheadle. There are no other big names in this. Oh. And Bugs Bunny, I guess. Oh, this this was tough. <clears throat> Were you the whole time wondering why Noah was like? So I want to say this: like this movie posits a world where it's basically just our world, and LeBron gets digitized. So how was no one like, dude? You're Don Cheadle. Who's <laughs> <was> the bad <laughs> guy? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, I think it's the it's the same kind of thing where. Uh... I see online people talking about how we know that canonically the Star Wars movies exist in the Marvel universe. And so do you like do you wonder if Nick Fury has ever watched the prequels and been like, "Oh hey, it's Mace Windu." Right? Like there's so <laughs> many so many questions. So do you want to give a quick uh I guess rundown of what Space Jam is for people who don't know? Ooh, I guess. I mean, the original from 96 is essentially like the the Looney Tunes are in danger of getting like enslaved by aliens, and so they kidnap Michael Jordan in an attempt to like win a game of basketball for their freedom. And now in this one, the Looney Tunes are in danger of being deleted, but not not originally. The no. stakes in this one were LeBron James is like going to be stuck as a cartoon, but then LeBron picking them puts them in danger of being deleted. Yeah, Don, Don Cheadle, who is a computer algorithm named Algae Rhythm, which I hated so much, uh, basically is like an egomaniac who wants credit for his work. And in an attempt to do that, he, for some reason, kidnaps LeBron James and his son and forces them to play basketball together. Dude, there are so many questions I have about the, like, probably the most boring topic, but... What was LeBron's contract with this movie like? Because they refer him to him as King James so much so that many I feel times. like it was in his contract that he was like, "You must refer to me as King James at least like ten times in this movie." Dude, I thought that in the when I watched the trailer, like no joke, because he calls him King James I think three times in the trailer that that was playing at the theater, and I kept thinking that like that had to have been in his contract where they're gonna call me King James the whole movie. Yeah, it was distracting. <laughs> so was Bugs singing Doc. 
Like, I know that that's his whole thing is what's up, Doc, but I mean, maybe I'm far enough removed from the Looney Tunes that I just don't remember, but does he say it after every sentence? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, the Looney Tunes were, in this were a little bit weird because for, like, compared to the original, only one voice actor actually returned from 1996, and Bugs Bunny has had so many different voice actors, so I, I imagine they all bring their own sort of, like, style to the Bugs Bunny character, but the only returning voice actor was tw- the guy for Tweety. What a pick. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I found that even more distracting than the King, King James stuff, that it, he says Doc after, it feels like every sentence. The Looney Tunes, <clears throat> I think, were my favorite part of this, just because the rest of the movie wasn't very good. But I don't know, Did was there any part you cared for more than any other part of this movie not particularly like i i liked a couple gags i liked the michael b jordan joke i thought that was pretty clever that was i liked i liked when they showed the original monsters on the sidelines at the one point i did i I missed that i did not see that one yeah they were they were the little versions of themselves like the original Uh, versions where they were like the little runs but yeah it shows them all huddled up together watching the game which i thought was funny um that's about it (laughs) like the i i uh, yeah, this felt joyless. Like it took the Looney Tunes, which are supposed to be like the epitome of like goofiness and fun, and it made them completely joyless. Between the the clips of all the other Warner Brothers properties, I could not convince myself that this was anything other than just a commercial. I mean, it really felt like that. I put it in one of my notes here. I took a weird number of notes for this movie, but <laughs> this is was basically just weaponized nostalgia. Right, but not like even, it, like, well done. No, no, it wasn't, like, nostalgia done right. It was, hey, here's this thing you remember from your, your kid. Here's another thing. Here's another thing. It wasn't even, like, the jokes they had were, like, the Looney Tunes characters being inside of those properties, which, I like, they would make me chuckle, and it, but they didn't seem like they were part of the movie. Like, it seemed like an ad campaign for, like, that movie or something. Exactly. Yeah, the, the nostalgia wasn't, like, oh, we're going to put you in this frame of reference and it, it's going to make you feel like you're in the 90s or whatever it's it wasn't incidental it was so in your face and aggressive it, it was just basically like every two minutes they would be like hey remember this thing i mean that was honestly what this movie reminded me more of than space jam was ready player one hard agree where it's just like it's references just for nostalgic sake there's like they don't provide any substance to the movie at all and then it was also like i don't know who this movie was for because clearly the story is a kids movie and maybe they're trying to hit the target of like oh kids can like it and parents can too like pixar does but without any substance and to do so they're like yeah we're just going to reference a lot of properties that parents grew up with like LeBron at one time, or no, Don Cheadle at one time says, King Kong ain't got nothing on me. He doesn't use the line from Training Day. Like, (laughs) that is not aimed towards a child. Like, the child's not going to get that reference, and then it's not even, like, the full line. So it's it's not even, like, to a good effect to use that line. Uh, Yeah, I had this in my notes, too. Who was this for? Like, if it was for the people, like, my age, who grew up watching the original in 96, then they're going to hate it because this is just... Like a complete bastardization of the original. And and I can't imagine it was for kids today because I don't think kids know who the Looney Tunes are. Right. Like, I don't think anybody's watching like 
vintage WB clips on a Saturday morning anymore. Like, I don't think kids have any kind of a frame of reference for Bugs Bunny anymore besides just, oh, it's Bugs Bunny. That's that's the part I actually don't know about because, like, cartoons reboot so much. Like, I know there's a bunch of new, like, Mickey cartoons. I would not be surprised if there's some version of Looney Tunes on, like, WB Kids that we just don't know about. Yeah, that's possible. But, uh, yeah, I just... I. I kept wondering who this was for. The I, the part I found, I think, the most, <laughs> like, this was a bridge too far, is that in the middle of the basketball game, all the action stops, and Porky Pig does a rap that scores them, like, 300 points or something. Oh, dude, I entirely want to get into... I think we should wait for this for later because I agree with you. I think this is one of the biggest problems I have with the movie. And from your notes, it looked like you did too. Was like the game was just haphazard and you could not follow what was going on. So there are absolutely no stakes to the audience. Yeah, the game made no sense. Like in in the first one, in the original, the game was crazy. Like it was, it's Looney Tunes. So it's going to be like bananas. But you were still following the rules of basketball. Like, the gameplay was insane. You would have, like, you know, uh, Yosemite Sam turns into, like, a Pulp Fiction character at one point, and they start shooting people. And so, like, obviously the gameplay is is Looney Tunes, but when you scored a basket, it was still worth two points. Right, it was two and three-point scoring, so you had an idea of what they needed to do to come back. And this one, they're down a 1,000 at half, <laughs> and they get most of the points... Because Wiley e. Coyote, during a timeout, <laughs> no less, has a machine that just shoots a lot of basketballs through the hoop and catches up. And it's just like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, this is basically... They're playing inside an app for some reason. And it's it's the game that the son developed, which there's this whole subplot about LeBron James coming to terms with the fact that his son is a nerd. Yeah, and let's, in a little bit, we should totally get on what the actual story of this movie is, because it's terrible. Yeah, so they're playing inside an app, and so the app follows the rules of, like, these hyper-casual apps that you have on your phone now, which is, like, you know, there's power-ups and boosts and debuffs and a bunch of stuff that, like, multipliers, and so you get the situation where it's like, oh, the Roadrunner scored a, a, a basket, but instead of it being worth two points, it's worth like 142 because he did it from inside a cloud of smoke and he did it like he bounced off of a, a power up or something. And I, like you, it's not just that I wasn't paying attention, which I mean, to be fair, I, I kind of wasn't, but uh, like, there's just no frame of reference for the audience to understand the rules of the game. And so there's no stakes. You're like, Oh, roadrunner scored a basket. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it, it was to the point where one move could clear the difference yeah i don't know it was if you don't understand how much a basket is worth you can't really get involved with the movie at all if if one basket is worth two points and the next basket is worth 580 then i don't i don't know what's happening right so the what was funny is like the app it looks like he developed looks a lot like some nba 2k game uh so i imagine they were like stealing the idea from there but you're right, like the biggest issue is like you got style points, which was basically a score multiplier, but you had no concept of what a multiplier did because it was all over the place. Like, it was whatever the movie needed the multiplier to be. It yep. took into no account, like, how cool the move was, and it was just, like, ridiculous multiplier. It wasn't like, oh, times two times three. It was, like, times 
1,000, you know, like, like just crazy. <laughs> At one point. To quantify, like to quantify through a visual medium in 20 minutes. Yes. At one point, I saw that it was like nine or ten baskets were scored rapid fire. And every time it happened, there was a times two that appeared. But the score never multiplied by two. So I was like, "Is are, are all these points worth four? Like, like each individual point is worth two times? Like it was just absolute anarchy. Yeah. Uh, and so I do want to talk to you about the story of this movie because the first Space Jam, like a big part of it was, you know, you don't need to, being special is inside of you, right? Like Michael Jordan gives people the secret juice to make them great. Like being great is inside of everyone is sort of the the main thrust of that movie. This was not that. Like, it seemed to me this was more of, like, a kid or a father coming to terms with his son, you know, which is a completely different movie than what the original Space Jam was, but then they didn't even do it well. Like, there is a way that I think this idea could have been done, at least where it would have been interesting or not terrible. Yeah, agreed. So... Essentially what the the conceit of this movie is, is that LeBron has a kid who is like a game developer and he is, you know, basically the best programmer in the world at age 12 because he has this software that can like 3D scan and render real people. Right. It's, it's, it's just insane. like impossible on, on its this, own. This also reeked of a movie that was written by a boomer who just does not understand what technology is or what it like besides the words like render, glitch, and crash, they have no understanding of what a, like a computer or a phone is or does. Right. But yeah, so he, he develops this game called Dom Ball and is like, I want to basically like thread like like walk the line between being a basketball player and being a programmer. And so I'm, I want to develop games, but I want to make my dad happy. And so the game I develop is going to be a basketball game. And then LeBron comes out and he's like, you you know, no nerds in my family. You're going to basketball camp. I what of LeBron's sons is included entirely only for comedic relief. Like he gets hit in the face with a basketball at a high speed and LeBron just like, I love meatballs and walks away. I, you know, I'm going to be honest. I did laugh at that scene. <laughs> he got I nailed mean, in the head with that basketball and LeBron just went to dinner. <laughs> I did too, but it's just like one of those where it's like, man, LeBron seems like a bad dad kind of. <laughs> oh, yeah. 100%. Like, I think they were trying to play up that like this, uh, like he's he's a neglectful parent or whatever. Like, I, I don't consider my kids feelings, but I think they went a little too hard because I was like, He's terrible. (laughs) Dude, I... Oh my gosh, you cannot talk about this without talking about LeBron because he is in every scene. The opening credits to... Or not the opening credits, but like the first part of this where it's him as a kid and breaking a shot and basically uh, them being like, you have to try harder, LeBron, like blah, blah, blah. I feel like that was entirely just like uh, made for LeBron to be like, suck it haters because I won <laughs> NBA championships because a lot of the same stuff said in those scenes were like what was said on talk shows about LeBron before he won championships. Mm. And the opening like credits, it just felt like a LeBron super fan made those for his 
uh, YouTube channel. Like, Ooh, yeah, that opening crawl was a lot. It, it was a ton of LeBron highlights. And I was like, okay, like, let's move past this. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm good. And Don Cheadle tries to, like, play it off. So, yeah, Don Cheadle at a certain point basically kidnaps LeBron's son and tries to, like, groom him to be whatever. And uh, at one point he's like, well, that's your dad's M.O., right? Leaving places. But it was like one of those things where that wasn't established that LeBron had left his kid. He was he was overly actually involved in his kid's life. Right. Yeah, it was the exact opposite. It would be one thing if he was like, I you know, I went to I don't know, like I, I went to E three and my dad didn't come see my presentation. Then like then that would have made sense. But instead he was like it was a completely different problem. The kid was just like, Yeah, man. This yeah, he so left me in this computer that he he left me in this computer. He was very clearly worried about me for and ran in here to try and save me from it was like get away from this guy. Oh my Boy. gosh. Well um, I also want to talk about is LeBron's son a sociopath? Because if he won that game, he would have trapped hundreds of thousands of people in a computer program. Well, yeah, so I was a little unclear on what was going on there because it seemed like it seemed like he didn't know the stakes. But why wouldn't LeBron be like, dude, I know we're having a fight, but like, you gotta lose this game, man. There's like 100,000 <laughs> people here in a computer. Because the the mom kept yelling for him. Yeah. And they were like, I don't think he can hear you, but LeBron could obviously hear them. So I don't, I don't know if Don Gito had put like weird, like digital selective earmuffs on the kit. Like that was just, again... Nothing in this movie is explained. You're just kind of stuck in there, like, uh, being along for the ride, and you have no idea what's happening or where it's going. Yeah. A big part of the first movie that was good, too, and they tried to do it again to obviously not the same effect. In the first one, the Monstars get their power by basically stealing the abilities from other big-name NBA players for Michael right. Jordan to be like, I beat all of you five-on-one, I'm better than you but so in this this one they get like some of the big name players you know they have WNBA players they have nba players it just wasn't to the same effect with like the character designs i don't know like they were only in it briefly whereas in the other one like charles barkley and and those guys like they had actual scenes of them trying to get their magic back which were like used to like good comedic effect and this did not have that no and yeah the the way that they steal their abilities basically is with that kid's scanner. He takes them and he like videotapes them doing their signature moves and then just uploads it into the game somehow. Yeah. Also real missed opportunity. Why was there not a Bill, uh, Bill Murray cameo? Oh man. Yeah. I, I kept waiting to see if Bill Murray or Wayne Knight was going to show up in this. Yeah. I mean, I guess contractually, like maybe they couldn't get him under, but like why that should have been in there. Okay, Wayne Knight's still alive. I wanted to make sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think he's alive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, because I could have been waiting a long time. No, I, yeah, I kept waiting for something, like anything. They played up nostalgia so much, with the exception of the original movie. Yeah, they, they only barely reference it. I was like, when he goes to Tomb World, Bugs better be like, don't worry, Brown, we got you. We've been through this once before. <laughs> And they kind of do when they go get Lola Bunny. She, like, well, when when they crash there, 
And Bugs says something like, oh, so you're telling me that there's like a nefarious problem and we can only solve it by having the Looney Tunes team up with a famous basketball player? Boy, that seems familiar and like winks at the camera. And I kind of groaned. And then when they go get Lola, he's like, this NBA player needs our help. And she's like, oh, I've been there, done that. Yeah, but like the, the, I feel like it could have been done in a better way though. Where it seems like these, like he was trying to teach them to play basketball. They should remember the rules to basketball. Yeah, for sure. Did you? But then, but then that that sets up the moral of the story, which is basically like LeBron needs to learn to let people be themselves. Like, oh, of course the Looney Tunes can't win this game trying to like play basketball like LeBron. They have to play true. basketball like the Looney Tunes. It's you gotta like, hit someone uh, with a subway. To- uh, come on, man. Did, what did did they ever explain why generally the to- Looney Tunes left like the Looney Tunes world? Algae Rhythm was just like, yeah, you guys can leave. Like he knew LeBron was going to go to them for some reason. He he basically showed up at, in their in their town and was like, here's passports for everybody, and they all said like, all right, we're out of here. And Bugs was a sad sack. Uh yeah, that was another story that was like sad and completely unnecessary right because it's not like there was yeah there was no real resolution to that he showed up in, in those other worlds and was like we're putting the gang back together and everyone was like okay <laughs> at, at no at no point did he have to really convince anyone besides lola and even then all he had to do was like wait until she was done doing the thing she was doing <laughs> i mean they basically was an excuse just to have a I don't know, five minute WB commercial for all of their properties, like being advertised to a bunch of kids who maybe haven't seen some of them. That was painful to watch. Uh, I mean, they basically recreated the opening scene of Wonder Woman 84, which was weird. (laughs) What did you think of LeBron's acting in this? I thought it was fine. Like LeBron's basically the last gripe I have with this movie. Which I is saw like him not in, what I was expecting coming into it. Honestly. I saw him in Trainwreck, and I think he was my favorite part of that movie, which I also kind of hated. Um, so, like, I knew he could do this. I thought he was fun in that movie, but yeah, it was it was basically everything around him that was the problem. I will say, like, LeBron was fine for the most part when you surrounded him with actors who were not terribly better than him but in the scenes with Don Cheadle it was glaringly obvious that Don Cheadle was a better actor right and I will give LeBron a fair amount of of slack on this even though I I don't like giving any slack to this movie because it cannot cannot be easy or enjoyable to basically act in a green bubble right like he was he was acting alone for most of this movie he would have just been alone in a green room or surrounded by people in like green bodysuits with the you know the ping pong balls on them, he he was utterly and completely alone in this movie, <laughs> and except in the the scenes that took place in the real world. What what did you think of their plan to like enact the glitch that crashes the game? I had a problem with him being like, "You used a move and it crashed my game," because I was like, "Yeah, okay, like I guess if you're like uh, doing t- you're testing bugs." Like, that could happen, even though it seems to be, like, a standard move in your player's arsenal. <laughs> but they didn't, like, delete the game. It somehow only deleted Dom's character, which didn't make sense to me. Um, right. And then the fact that they're, like, we're going to redo it in this game. 
Like, Algie Rhythm wasn't the game. He was just... I guess it deleted him, though. Like, yeah, I, I guess I don't entirely follow. Like, I see what they're going for, but... I don't know. I didn't think it was well done. No. And, like, when you... When you looked at it in the real world, he did the thing, his character froze, like, completely froze, became, like, unusable, and then the entire system shut itself down. It's like a blue screen. Right. And then they were like, we'll do it in in this world here, where we're all in this computer together, alive. And I thought to myself, like, okay, well, that'll freeze the character that does the move. Right. And then won't it, like, destroy the universe? Like, if the entire system crashes. But instead, it it Bugs Bunny didn't freeze. He just, you know, like, fell over sick. And then all of the opponents, for some reason, started, like, de- like de-rezzing. But yeah, it I didn't did. actually stop Don Cheadle. Like, he still had full range of motion. He could still... He still managed to tackle LeBron in midair and almost stop him from making that basket. Uh, like, all that was happening was that he was, like, depixelating. Yeah, the Goon Squad fouled in this so much. They should have been, They should have had some technicals and probably should have <laughs> lost all of their players before half. Oh, man. Yeah, this to be was... fair, though, the Looney Tunes did hit someone with a train, so I That's guess... true. Yeah, this was just a, a mess of a movie. Like, not, nothing really made any sense. And, Dude, again, I... like... It's it's Space Jam, right? It's the Looney Tunes, but you still expect there to be some sort of like an internally consistent logic that holds the, the things together. Dude, I will say, I actually do remember what the, my least favorite part of this movie was. It was the stupid mascot they made for no reason who was also acting as the ref. Oh, God. Yeah, the little digital character. Like, that was, it's entirely in there for creating some sort of marketable stuff animal in the real world because it did nothing like it was it didn't even like have the funniness of like a minion or whatever like it was just there it was so so dumb it looked exactly like the little uh sidekick blob character from treasure planet which i kept finding like offensive (laughs) because i love treasure planet so much and i was like why is morph in this movie that's a disney property (laughs) Dude, WB, speaking of Disney, WB was worse than Disney with being all, with all, like, all this self-referential, like, WB has the best products, blah, 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 blah. It was, it was just, it was distracting. <laughs> like, I understand that the first movie was also just a WB cartoon, but, or commercial, but this was, yeah, this one was, it was so ham-fisted, it was... Oh, oh man, I did not enjoy my time in this movie. Dude, I saw a take that I did not even think about because I forgot I had seen this movie. I actually went to see this movie in theaters. Me too. And thought, no, 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 it was hilarious. It was Uncle Drew. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is basically just a Sprite commercial, but I left Uncle Drew being like, and I paid to see that one. I was like, yeah, it was like funny enough. Like it had some heart to it. This did it. Like this did not have any heart. Like this just felt like it was made entirely for commercial purposes. Well, one of the announcers for this movie was the guy from Uncle Drew. Oh, was it? Yeah, Lil, Lil Ray Howery or whatever his name is. He was one I, of the announcers. I didn't realize that. I, I, I knew Ernie Johnson, who does a lot of announcing for TNT. I did not recognize who that other guy was. 
<laughs> I, I mean, like I said, I saw Uncle Drew once, left being like, yeah, it was funny. <laughs> but, oh, man. So you... Bugs Bunny does the glitch move, gets deleted or, like, I don't oh, know, murdered or whatever. Bugs Bunny like, dies. Yeah, he straight up has a death scene in this. And then they like they do do a callback, which I will allow, because right when he gets to Looney Tunes World, he says, I'm a cartoon, like, I can survive anything. So he does the glitch move. He he says, that's all, folks, and dies. <laughs> and then, like, goes to whatever, server verse heaven. And then it goes to a week later, LeBron is walking his kid to E3, and Bugs Bunny just shows up in the real world. Yeah, that was ridiculous. It, there's a way where this could have been done right, where it's like, it's a kid's movie. We're not ending on, a, on like, a sad note. It could have been, like, Bugs commenting, and he's like, oh, I knew we'd bring them together, or something with another character, but, like, just having them straight up in the real world made no sense. Yep, completely nonsense. So, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on a little bit of a tangent here, because I'm, I have, like, a, a, basically a bad faith attack on this movie. You, um, I saw this, you analyze this deep, Christian. In the original, I have a problem with who the Looney Tunes are. So, in the original one, the Looney Tunes are real and exist in like a pocket dimension inside the planet. Or did Warner Brothers like get a hold of the original Space Jam movie and now they have those like that version of the Looney Tunes on their server? Memories and all for some reason. Space Jam 3 is going to be basically what happens with a Triple X Return of Xander Cage. Where in two, they kill Xander Cage off screen, and then in three, he comes back and he's like, was it me or something? And that's what Looney Tunes 3 is going to be. They're I, going to come back. I think it, it has to be like Space Jam 3, the multiverse of madness, where like now right. that the digital Looney Tunes are out in the real world, they have to like go down the golf hole and fight the, the real Looney Tunes to see who's the one true Looney Tune. In a basketball game. <laughs> With, you know, whoever's the best basketball player at the time. Yeah. I mean, that's what is kind of hard, right? Like, you need a big name star to do this. And I wasn't against them doing a sequel to Space Jam like a lot of people were. Because, I was excited you know, for this when they were when it was first announced. It wasn't until I saw the first trailer that I was like, oh, no. I wouldn't say I was excited, but I know there was, like, a group out there who was like, you can't redo it. Michael Jordan's the best basketball player of all time. Only he can be in Space Jam. <laughs> and I'm like, no, man. Like... Michael Jordan's really good. It might be the best of all time, but it's a kid's movie. You know, like, let kids of the next generation have their own thing. That's ultimately why I think I don't come down. I mean, I've been ripping on it, but, like, it's a kid's movie at the end of the day, so I feel like my opinion on it shouldn't really matter that much in yeah. the grand scheme of things because I'm a, I'm an adult. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you take a six-year-old to see this movie, they're going to have a blast. There was a girl sitting in front of us that was, like, visibly shaking in her seat like she was so excited she was bouncing up and down and like i'm sure if her parents had let her she would be like dancing around the room during the rap battle she was pumped and i was sitting there like uh you have no taste <laughs> right so like i you know i don't think it's a great kids movie but at the end of the day i'm sure kids will enjoy this yeah um this is gonna sorry, be one of those movies this is going to be one of those movies that doesn't age well for them. Like, they're going to be like, man, I loved this movie when I was six or seven. They're going to watch it again and be like, what on earth was I thinking? They're going to be like, oh, my God, they referenced Game of Thrones in this? <laughs> What's Game of Thrones? <laughs> the, clock, the clockwork orange guys who were <laughs> rapists were in the background of yeah. a child's movie? Big yikes on that one. 
this is going to be their version of my uh, Matthew Broderick Godzilla, where I defended the hell out of that movie for like a decade. <laughs> then I watched it again like three years ago, and I thought to myself, this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. So Christian, you know how this did at the box office? And I'm also just curious how this did in your theater. Yeah, so box office, it made 53-ish million, a little more than $53 million. Its budget was $150 million, so it definitely didn't hit that goal. But, I mean, we are still on, like, the tail ends of COVID hesitancy, people going back. And it was also simultaneously released on HBO Go, or HBO Max, I guess now. And so I'm I'm sure that cut into its numbers a fair amount. Uh, I watched it in the theater. I didn't watch it on HBO Max because, and I think it's for the best, because truly I think I don't know if I would have had the strength to finish this. If I was sitting in my own home, I would have probably just been like, yeah, what else is on? <laughs> right. In Did our theater, the box, sorry. In, in our theater, it hasn't done super well. Like it did all right opening weekend, and then it it died off pretty quickly. I think we're in week three now, and it's already in one of our smallest rooms. Uh, to be fair, on the box office too, the numbers I pulled are like a week old, so it might be slightly better at this point. But I can't imagine they made a hundred million in the past week. No, yeah, that's like a number like hundred fifty mil. Like you want to hit that hard and fast with a movie like this. Yeah. The word word of mouth is not going to be great, and you're not going to get a, like a a big return in weeks three, four, five. Uh, so critic wise too, like this. I'm actually a little bit surprised by this performance. This has a 31% with critics on Rotten Tomato, which is what I kind of would expect. The audience when I took this, and again, maybe this has changed, was 81%, which made me like somewhat hopeful this wouldn't be that bad. And then I was, was (laughs) I'm real surprised by that number. That's almost inexcusable. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I'm looking, I'm looking at it right now. And it is, it has gone down. The critic score is now a 27 and the audience score is an 80. So not that I much. Mean, I'm legitimately surprised because we touched on this. Like, who's this movie for? And you would think adults would be the ones who are rating this, not kids. Yeah. And they're putting it at 80%. So someone's clearly liking it. Yeah, but... I'm, I'm wondering if it's a bunch of parents that are like, our kids love this movie. I mean, very possible. It just, it's, I feel like they were sort of marketing towards millennials, and I feel like most millennials will be like, this was not great. Right. <laughs> One interesting fact about this that I didn't know that you might have known was Justin Lin was originally directing this and left to direct Fast 9 and Fast, uh, and finish up the saga with Fast 10. What a great, great choice that he made. I'm curious what Justin Lin's, uh, space jam looks like well i'm gonna tell you this right now they would have had to change the like the whole impetus for the movie because there's no way justin lynn makes a movie where lebron is having problems with his family (laughs) yeah i mean that's in his contract that's actually probably why he left vin diesel has put it in all directors contracts you cannot direct another movie about family (laughs) (laughs) what if he just brought in vin diesel for this project i would have been great I would have given it 10 stars. He, I mean, Vin Diesel was sort of in it. The Iron Giant was Yeah, The it. Iron Giant. Ooh. I have big problems with The Iron Giant being in movies. What? I, he, he rebuilt himself. Right. I, I, have, I have less of a problem with him being in this since it was just a little cameo. I have huge problems with his appearance in Ready Player One. 
but we, we don't have to get into that. In it, dude, I... Dude, I read Ready Player One, the book, and I was like, this isn't great. Like, this is just nerd fantasy, but it's like, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, oh my gosh, I can't believe I paid to see that movie. That movie was terrible. It was not good. And the book was, it like, the book, everyone, when it came out, lauded it. So I was like, all right, I'll check it out. And then I think I read it right when the tide on it had started, like, turning to being like, <laughs> this isn't the greatest book ever. It's like, it's fine for what it is, but, like, why is everyone recommending this so hard because i was like "Eh, this is not that great (laughs) all right so overall christian what did you think of this movie oh it was terrible (laughs) (laughs) like i recommend no absolutely not this i i fall back on my stance this movie is for no one like if you are looking for something and you've got hbo max and you're like i need to keep my young child entertained for two hours go ahead and put this on but don't watch it yeah, I mean, I kind of with you. I would say it's a kid's movie, so I feel like you'll know from the preview if your kid wants to see this or not. Right, so exactly. Go, go for it then, but if you are an adult, there's no reason to watch this movie. It is two hours, which is way too long for what this is. They could have really cut down on a lot of stuff on this and really tightened it up into a miserable one-hour thing. <laughs> so long my buddy leaned over to me and was like i can't believe this movie's two hours long and i said i feel like we've been in here for days yeah it's uh (laughs) it's long all right so we have been gone mostly all of july which i apologize for a lot (laughs) that was scheduling conflicts on my part um hopefully Getting back into the swing of things now that I'm not traveling as much. Christian, did you watch anything of note in July that you like you were wanting to talk about, but we really didn't get a chance to? I watched a whole bunch of stuff. I, I don't have a lot to, to say on a lot of it. It's it's usually either gonna be pretty good or pretty bad. So uh I watched the new Black Widow movie, which was pretty fun. I enjoyed it. It was getting a little bit of uh like lackluster reviews online, but I thought it was pretty solid. I, I I would put it basically on par with like the first Captain America, which I I liked a fair amount. But yeah, it was it was fun. Scarlett Johansson back, Florence Pugh, who I love, is in it. Uh, Rachel Weisz, who I love, is in it. David Harbour, who I love, is in it. And and I thought all of their characters were pretty well rounded and compelling. And uh. Some guy that was in the movie when I watched it stormed out because I think he was claiming it was like anti-American propaganda, which was, you know, pretty bizarre, but that was weird to watch. Doesn't it take place in Russia? Yeah. Well, I mean, if it was, I feel like that would make sense canonically. <laughs> like, yeah, they, he's a Russian they, spy. And it was, yeah, and it wasn't even like an appropriate place. Like, they were all sitting around a dinner table talking about how bad their lives have been since they, like haven't seen each other in 20 years and the guy got up and was like this is all nonsense <laughs> just stormed down the stairs muttering about like i'm i don't have to sit here and watch this anti-american stuff it's like what on earth is happening here all of like the random movies to get mad at right uh, do you see scarlett johansson suing disney over uh them digitally releasing it yeah uh i think emma stone is about to start is sue them over cruella as well you know what's hilarious is I saw some headline where, like, in their response, Disney's like, Scarlett Johansson suing us shows a clear and, like, depraved, 
lack of empathy for like what was going on during the pandemic in the yeah. meantime like disney world is open in the state that has like 20 percent <laughs> of like the, all all covid cases or something right now i i enjoyed when the the disney corporation called her decision to sue distressing like a corporation right. has can, can be distressed feelings, emotionally right. <laughs> oh, oh man God. They were one of the things like she's she's doing it for the exposure, and it's like at a certain point, like Scarlett Johansson doesn't need any more exposure. Nope. She, it's like one of the most well recognized people in Hollywood. I have to imagine. I did really enjoy somebody made the comment that like it's not surprising Disney tried to screw over a person of color, and I I laughed pretty hard at that. <laughs> um, but no, so yeah, Black Widow was pretty good. If if you like the MCU, I would absolutely watch it. I think it's it's a good addition. It also like with the the post credit scene and the introduction of all these new characters. I think it has officially like fully got me back into the MCU. I was kind of like, burnt out on them, and COVID may have given me like the vacation from the MCU that I needed because I still haven't watched any of the TV shows, and I'm not a hundred percent convinced that I will. <laughs> But yeah, I, I'm I'm at least back interested in the movies again. That's what's hard. I start. I've watched like one and a half of them now of the total <laughs> three. Like I got halfway through Falcon Winter Soldier. Uh like Scarlet or um, One Division. Like I liked, but you know, I wish I didn't have to watch eight hour TV shows to stay right. up with the movies. Like the movies was enough for me, and it's kind of annoying that they've gone that route to me for me for and, me at least. And they're coming out rapid fire. Yeah, like you, you're really getting are. like a two week break and then it's OK, we've got a new TV show again. And it's like, oh, boy, oh, boy. I remember watching all of the Netflix Marvel TV shows in, in about that pace. And I was done after like four seasons. I couldn't do anymore. Yeah. So we'll see how long my patient like I, the Mandalorian wasn't bad for me because it was like once a year. Right. And in the past couple of months, it's been like three of these Disney shows and I watch them like with a friend and I don't watch them when they, that's partly my fault. I don't watch them when they come out. It probably would be easier if I was, <laughs> but they like release on Fridays, which is very annoying for me. And I just have fallen behind. It's just one of those where it's like, if they, if they get too many ahead of me, I'm just never going to catch up. Yeah. I know exactly how that feels. Uh, Do you see anything else? Yeah, so I watched the new M. Night Shyamalan movie, Old, which came out last week. Uh, I've been really enjoying the internet talking about the beach that makes you old. Yeah, I saw the preview for this, and I, I did not know what to think about this movie. Did you like it? Well, let me tell you not to watch it. <laughs> All right. It is... I I was having a conversation with one of the other managers at the theater, and I was trying to decide whether I liked this or Space Jam less. Oh boy, that's a that that's a heaping praise on. Old yeah, that's then. pretty damning. Uh, old fails on basically every level. It does not even attempt to make sense. It and like I think its worst crime is that it's boring. Does it have a twist? Kind of, but not a good one, and not one that you're like, "Holy crap, this is like, th- like what a thought." It's just kind of like, "Oh, okay." It's not. It's no signs. Yeah, no, definitely not. It's no signs, it's no sixth sense, it's it's not even the village, it's just, you know, the beach slowly makes you old, and I, I will say this for it, they made one choice that I absolutely loved, which is there is a character in this movie who is a rapper, like, not, not the actor, but the character is a rapper named Midsize Sedan. 
<laughs> like, really? Yes. We went into this, and the the guy I watched it with had already seen it, and he told me, he's like, there's a person in this movie named Midsize Sedan, and I kind of went like, ah, like, yeah, wouldn't that be funny? And then, yeah, they get to the beach, and one of the girls points at him and goes, oh my god, look, it's Midsize Sedan. That has to have been a joke, right? Like, <laughs> like a director joke? It was unbelievable. Like the whole way through the movie, they're like, "Go get midsize." I'm like, oh no! The, you, I mean, it is damning when <laughs> when you're like the twist in signs that the aliens can't touch water is better than the twist in this movie. So yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about signs. It's probably my favorite M Night Shyamalan movie. Really? Yes. Because wow. I don't think the twist is that aliens can't touch water. Oh, what is the twist? I think the twist is that there are no coincidences. Because the whole thing is like, you know, the, Mel Gibson's character is struggling with his faith, and uh, I, I think it's M. Night Shyamalan's character actually tells him, like, what if it's possible that there are no coincidences? And so the aliens not being able to touch water plays into that because the girl leaves water all over the house. And like the the bat was there that Joaquin Phoenix could beat the crap out of it with, and there were a couple other things at the end that it was like everything came together neatly, and it's because like everything is preordained. I I really do enjoy Signs quite a bit. I, or I think it was or Christian. It's Chekhov's gun. The movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it basically is just the twist is Chekhov's gun is is like a real life phenomenon. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I I like Signs. I I watched it not that long ago, and I think it holds up. I know it gets a lot of hate, but I I like a lot more of his movies than I think I give him credit for. But it occurred to me when I was talking to you, actually, that I had not watched a new M. Night Shyamalan movie in 11 years. The last one that I had seen was Devil and Airbender, and they both came out in 2010. Yeah, we were talking. Did I say the last one I saw was The Village, which was like sometime in the mid two thousands? Yeah, it was like oh six, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Um, did you watch any TV shows that you uh, liked? Yeah, I've been rewatching Leverage, which is, I mean, it's kind of dumb. It's it's formulaic. It's like a procedural. It's about all these these five thieves that get together and team up and decide to be good guys, and so it's like a Robin Hood. They rob from uh, like corrupt businessmen and politicians and give it back to their victims. So it's it's very formulaic. Every episode is basically the same, but it scratches an itch, which I, I really enjoy. I, I know you've been watching one that I was actually going to text you about when I saw it on Netflix, but then I forgot was uh, Outer Banks. Are you watching that second season? Watch the whole thing in one sitting. Oh my gosh. I haven't made a real dumb decision like that in a while, and so yeah, I waited up till 3am when it came out last uh, Thursday night into Friday, and I watched the whole thing. I was done by like 1pm. <laughs> was it worth it? Absolutely. It is completely unhinged garbage, and I love it more than anything else in the world. <laughs> this, it's like, I, I told my friend the other night, I said, like, I would call this my guilty pleasure show, but I don't feel at all bad about enjoying it. It's just like a, a comfort watch. It's so funny to me that you really like this and Too Hot to Handle because the shows Ooh. are like so bad. I, I'm going to be honest. I kind of hate Too Hot to Handle. Oh, I but think I, you watched and enjoyed it. Oh, no. we It was another one we watched in one sitting, but I, I did not necessarily oh, enjoy it. Wait, my time. was it The Circle? 
Circle, I love. Yeah, Circle's okay. great. Sorry, I get them mixed up. But yeah, Outer Banks is, it's just, it's not a reality show. It's just, you know, these dumb kids doing, making every single wrong choice. Like, every character in this show in both seasons makes the dumbest choice in every single situation. You're just left there feeling, like, stressed and frustrated. <laughs> but oh, it's man. it's fun. It's a fun ride. You're like, I, I cannot possibly imagine where this is going to end up. Well, glad you enjoyed them. Um, the only things I, I really watched that I want to give a shout out to is season two of I Think You Should Leave Now came out, which I thought oh God, was yeah. very funny. Um, I think I like season one more, but there are definitely some skits in here that are worth checking out. And if you like season one, you'll like season two. If you did not like season one, you will hate season two also. So it will not change you. I keep seeing uh, Dan Flasher's content on Twitter, and I, I think it's very funny. <laughs> Um, I also binge watch, well, not binge watch, but I finished seasons one and two of Young Justice, and I'm working on season three. I like held off on watching this for a really long time. It is so good. It's on HBO Max. It is what I. It's basically, in my opinion, the true successor to Teen Titans. Um, it's obviously mm. not the Teen Titans, but it's like a good superhero show that stars sidekicks and stands on its own. Um, it's really well done. Man, well, I absolutely love the original Teen Titans. I might have to start watching this. Yeah, it's more like serialized in nature, and as they go on, like the third season was picked up by HBO Max, so it's like a little more like it was originally airing on Cartoon Network, and it definitely feels like more geared towards kids. But as it goes on, like they make some decisions that you're surprised about. Like uh, season two takes place five years after season one, and season three takes place like two or three years after season two. So you see like the characters grow up and they bring in new cats. Uh, sorry, new team members and stuff. It, it's it's very good. Hmm. And finally, the last thing I would actually recommend checking out if you have about two hours, there's a, I guess it's a music documentary series on HBO called Music Box, but what I saw on there, and there was only one of these, so I don't know if they're releasing more as the summer or I guess the year goes on. It was called like Woodstock 99. It was basically just a documentary about like the the just complete and utter fire fire festival like festival that was woodstock 99 which when i was watching this i I told my wife i was like i just think i have a niche i never realized which was just disastrous music festival move like documentaries i was just thinking the other day i might go back and watch one of the fire fest docs because it's it is truly just so funny to me yeah woodstock 99 like i never heard of it it's crazy just like how bad everything went like and also the music scene that was 1999 where the woodstock festival headlined lit biscuit (laughs) (laughs) they were really popular in corn oh boy yeah it's real interesting blast of the past but also like cheryl crow (laughs) and jewel were at that festival wow yeah it dude you should watch it it's crazy how bad like just how poorly planned everything was (laughs) the final night ends with just like massive rioting and fires i i want to watch a documentary about like a feature-length documentary about dashcon have you ever heard of dashcon no it is basically it was i think in the early aughts it was uh a bunch of Tumblr users decided they wanted to get together and have a convention, like a Tumblr convention. 
And so it was like, we're going to all hang out and have like a booth for every fandom. There's going to be a Sherlock booth and a Supernatural booth and a Harry Potter booth. And so they they, they got all these people to it. And when they sh- they said there was going to be like an Olympic size, like Olympic swimming pool size ball pit and all this stuff. And when people showed up, it was like an empty warehouse. And there was a, a, like a, a plastic kiddie pool filled up with ball pit balls and basically like nothing else. <laughs> There's there's pictures of it online where like if you Google it, it'll just it's basically just looks like that. It's like an empty warehouse with a cement floor and like a sad ball pit ball sitting there with nothing else around. That is amazing. (laughs) I did. This was years ago. I watched this and I never watched this guy's videos before. And the only reason I know him is because I watched this video. And then like last year, two years ago, he he came out, he was like a sexual predator or something, but this dude on YouTube's name was, I think, Shane Dawson. Oh, yeah. He did, like, a documentary of TanaCon, which was Tana, I think her last name's Montague's, like, failed convention. She tried to run out of, like, a hotel or something, and then basically just, like, stole a bunch of money from her fans or something. That was weird. So I definitely, I think, like, failed convention, failed music festival documentaries. Like, I find them riveting. Yeah. Here, I'm. Let, let me know if this shows up. I'm posting a picture into the uh, Google spreadsheet of DashCon. All right, Christian, uh, are you checking out anything this week? Yeah, so the new Disney movie Jungle Cruise just came out. Uh, it's also on Disney Plus, so Emily Blunt might be adding her name to a lawsuit at some point. Um, but we're, we're going to watch that, I think, in, in, uh, within the next week, which I'm excited about. Cause it looks like the mummy just with the rock, which I'm very excited about. Uh, otherwise and him being in them. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, the, there's a new documentary on HBO max, uh, that follows the catch and kill that I had read before the Ronan Farrow oh, story yeah. about the, like the Weinstein saga. So I think that there's six parts out uh, now, so I'm probably going to watch that and probably talk about that next week as well. Very cool. Uh, this week, hoping to get into it, it, they released, it's two episodes into its season so far, Ted Lasso Season 2 started. Oh, which nice. I can't, I can't remember if I talked about Ted Lasso on the podcast or not, but I loved the first season of Ted Lasso, so I'm very yeah, excited we, for that. We did at one point, because I remember uh, when it started winning all these awards, I was like, oh, Eric loves Ted Lasso. Yeah, it's very good. So, well, season one's very good. I'm I'm excited to watch season two. Uh, otherwise, not much. I started re- I started back up playing the 2015 version of Need for Speed that I bought a couple years ago, then fell off, and I'm like, I'm just going to platinum this game because I basically just got stuck on a hard race, and I jumped back in and was like, I'm beating this race so I can finish this game, <laughs> which is like a weird game to pick back up because... <laughs> Speaking of 1990, like weird things from 1999, <laughs> like this game feels like it's from literally Fast and Furious 2001, but it's based in 2015. <laughs> uh, but that's about it. I don't have anything major on my on my agenda this week. Thanks for listening, guys. If you'd like to contact us, we are at Gambots Network on Twitter, or you can email us at gambots.blog at gmail.com. Also, we have a website now. If you want to check that out, that's gambotsnetwork.com. And finally, if you're listening to somewhere where you can rate and subscribe, we'd appreciate it as that does help with marketing. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thank you.